Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. But I tell you. And the idea is, is that there was these, uh, this Sermon on the Mount, this famous sermon series that Jesus taught where he got up on a hill and there were people there and he began preaching. And the famous part of, one of the famous parts of the Sermon on the Mount is where he would, he would talk about various topics. In fact, we're taking five topics where Jesus would say, you have heard this. And so a lot of that came out of the Old Testament, the law. And then he would say, but I tell you this is true instead, or that this is the fulfillment of those things. And the thing is, is that the topics that Jesus chose to speak about were very relevant at the time. They were controversial because he was often, what he was doing was speaking against whatever the kind of common standard was at the time. And so in this series, we're examining the words of Jesus on these topics. And I believe that those topics are just as relevant today as they were back then. And so Jesus gets right to the heart of it and he tells people, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be thinking. And as Christians, what else are we called to do, right? To follow Jesus, to listen to his words. And so we're in a series about that very thing. And so as we dive into these topics, I believe we're going to see two things. One, I already said that I believe these topics are just as relevant to us today. But the second thing I believe is that if we choose to heed the words of Jesus in our lives, that his words will overwrite some of our assumptions and they will help us experience healing in our relationships and create space for God to move in our lives. Now, last week, we talked about a pretty tough topic, and that was lust and sexuality and adultery. And what we really discovered was that our modern concept of the idea of it's okay to look but not touch, we discovered that that's really a lie, that that is a lie, and that Jesus said that lust devalues individuals who are precious to God. We learned that that when we look at people and see them as objects, it devalues them from the God-given value that God has given them, but also because it starts us down a dangerous path of compromise that can lead to destroyed relationships. So God is calling us to protect the things that we view and the things that we involve ourselves in so that we can maintain integrity. Now, before we get into our topic for this week, which is another relatively difficult one, I just want to remind us of how Jesus frames the conversation and how we're doing the same thing. Remember that Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. This is what Jesus always does. I love this about him is that people will come to him and try to manipulate Jesus. We see that often in scripture. And Jesus always just gets right to it and says, this is what we're really talking about. And so as we read these passages, as we've been going through over the last couple of weeks, and as we explore today, let's hear the words of Jesus and hear his heart of what he's trying to say. What is Jesus saying to us? Let's allow his heart to speak to the heart of matter in our hearts. Let's let Jesus challenge the assumptions that we have already, that our culture gives us, that our upbringing gives us. Let's allow Jesus to overwrite and to challenge those assumptions and to get to the heart. So today, we're talking about the next topic that Jesus chose to talk about, and that was divorce. Divorce. This is another one of those topics. You're like, man, Jared, two weeks in a row, you're going to punch me in the face. Like, that's how I feel when I'm reading these passages of Scripture. This is another topic that is emotionally loaded, right? It has a, a lot of 
of uh, emotional baggage. And honestly, this week as I was preparing this message, just reading scripture and trying to hear the Holy Spirit and say, God, what is it that you're calling me to say to our church? Like, how is this relevant? And what do you want to say? I felt like preparing this message was a lot like walking through like a minefield. You know, there's, there's just so much. Like all of us in this room probably have a lot of different emotions when it comes to divorce, a lot of different thoughts that arise in all of us because of our upbringings, maybe because of our experiences, because maybe even our opinions that we have on the topic or preferences, and it really makes it uncomfortable and probably, probably difficult and uncomfortable for us to talk about. Even for me, it's difficult for me to talk because I feel like I don't want to offend anyone. Or, or, and, and maybe in the room you're thinking this is difficult because of the experiences that you've been in. But here's what I would say. Jesus didn't shy away from this topic because it was a problem in his day. And so I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would say divorce is probably a problem in our day too. We see it a lot. The statistic, I believe, is that 50% of households either outside or even inside the church end in divorce. Like that's a statistic, 50%. Like that's a problem, right? And so Jesus in his day was saying enough, enough. And so it needs addressed. And so whether you find, wherever you find yourself in this conversation, if you've been divorced before, Maybe you're in a marriage and you're considering divorce right now. Maybe you grew up in a home where your parents got divorced. Or maybe you're in a great place and you're like, I have no, I have no reason. I'm never considering divorce. There's no need to. I believe two things. The first is this, is that there is no guilt or shame. We've been saying that a lot here lately, and I believe that. I believe that Jesus does not speak words to make people feel guilty or to feel shameful I believe that, 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 that Jesus speaks to give us a vision for something, to show us something greater, okay? And so, so we're going to read God's word. We're going to hear it. We're going to let it wash over us. And then we're going to allow it to challenge our assumptions, but it's not from a place of guilt, but from a place of desiring freedom and for, for health for all of us. But the second thing that I would say is that I believe that every one of us needs to hear the words of Jesus to understand the vision for marriage. Whether you have been divorced, have ever experienced it, or you never have. Even if you don't know anyone who's ever been divorced, and you're married, you're thinking about marriage, and you're like, that would never happen to me. I believe that this message is powerful because Jesus wants us to understand the vision for what marriage is supposed to be, okay? That's kind of where we're going today. So I invite you to come along on this journey with me today. And I want to warn you that on its face, the two verses that we're going to read in the beginning really seem very matter-of-fact and they seem uh, very, very um, uncompromising and very direct. But my goal today is to unpack the context around it so that we can see the bigger picture that Jesus wants us to see. All right. So would you guys open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And while we're turning there, um, I want to just do a quick side note. I'd like to let you know that, that whatever you hear today, whatever we read and whatever your thoughts are, maybe you come from a different place to where you're not... Maybe, maybe it's a different background. You're kind of thinking about how we do church is different than the way that you would. I would say to you, I love that. We, are, we love the fact that we are a church that welcomes all different people from different walks of life and different, uh, different uh, traditions. And what I would say is we've created a space during the week called Life Groups where we encourage anyone who, who can hear what happens on a Sunday and then go to Life Groups and say, I want to talk about that. Every, every one of our life groups, so we have four or five groups that meet every week, they talk about what we talk about on Sundays, and it's a place for you, a safe place for you to be able to discuss what you thought about what you heard. Maybe you have a different opinion. That's okay. 
We want to create a space for you to hear something and then allow it to soak in and then talk with other people. So that's what our life groups are for. I encourage you to, uh, to take advantage of that. If you want more information about our life groups, I encourage you to go to our, our uh, Connection Center, and uh, someone would be happy to tell you about those, and we would just love to get you connected to that. But Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, this is what Jesus says about this topic. He says, it was also said... Whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, this is Jesus rewriting here, everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, on its face, this passage of Scripture seems really blunt, right? It's like there's really not a lot of wiggle room in there, and it's, it seems like harsh but I think it's important to understand the context. And I want to say in some senses it was meant that way. It was meant to feel like, not like a sucker punch, but it was meant to have weight. And we'll understand why here in a minute. But let's try to get some context here. Jesus was referring to an Old Testament passage when he said, it has been said that divorce is allowed if you give a written notice. That was referencing Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, where Moses wrote in the law, where, where if a man wants to divorce his wife, all he had to do is give her a piece of paper and say, officially, I'm divorcing you. Now, it's important for us to understand that at the time, marriage was actually regarded extremely low. It was a very low-regarded thing. It wasn't like men and women fell in love and they got married because they loved each other. They didn't go on honeymoons. The reason that people got married in what we see in the Old Testament during that time was either for wealth or for status, or for reproduction. That was really the only reason that a guy would get married. And so what happened before this law was that a man would find a woman that he thought was suitable. He would marry her, which maybe the woman had no choice in it or not. She would be married, and then if the dude was like, oh, I see this lady over here, he would just drop her like it was nothing. And there was, no, there, was, there was no consideration. He would just be like, I'm done with you. She's now out on the street. She has no rights. She has no money. She has nothing. And so he goes over here and just marries this other woman. And this poor lady had nothing. So Moses writes a law that was actually designed to protect women. He says, you have to give her a written notice of divorce. In other words, if you decide that you want to drop her for whatever reason, I mean, that was kind of like, that still happened. But at least now you have to present to her a piece of paper that says, you are officially not my husband anymore. And what that paper did, now follow me, I understand this is like way different than way, the way it is now, okay? But, but don't worry, it gets better. So what happened is, is that you give her this piece of paper, and that actually protected her because then if she found another man or another husband or someone who wanted to marry her, that paper proved that she was not in an adulterous relationship. It proved that she was not connected to anyone because someone would go, weren't you married to that guy? Why are you hanging out with this guy now? And then that could be a stonable death penalty offense, okay? This is Old Testament. This is the way that it was back in that time. So Moses writing this law is actually trying to enforce some, some of an early indicator of what we see as God's standard for marriage. Even early on, back then, what we're seeing is that this passage right here, this, this notice of divorce was actually a very early indicator of us understanding what God really thought about marriage. But here's what I mean by that, because you're thinking, man, why didn't God just come right out and say that was not how you're supposed to treat a woman? Well, we are all in process, right? And this is the best way that I could try to explain this, to understand this, to wrap my head around this. Every one of us are on a journey. 
There have been times in my own faith life where I have heard something preached and it kind of hits me, but only like 5%. Anybody with me? And then like maybe a year later, you hear the same message preached or the same topic preached. And for some reason, it just hits you differently and it really gets inside of you, right? Why? It happens because we grow and we're changing and we're in process. And that's what we see a lot of the time in the Bible is in the Old Testament, we see kind of like an early indicator of God's principles for the universe and how we were designed. But because we were unable to hear it, unable to process it, unable to be held to that high standard, we see throughout Old Testament the standards start to change, they go up until eventually we reach Jesus. And Jesus comes along, and this is where people often get caught, is they're like, well, I don't have to follow the Old Testament rules anymore because Jesus changed it all. But Jesus came, and Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it, right? So what we see is, in this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 24, Jesus is referencing it and saying, Moses said that you can give your wife a written notice of divorce for any reason. And what that happened, that didn't curb the selfish behaviors. Men still did whatever they wanted. But, they, but it began to put something in effect that established that this is not what God wants. And then we come along to Jesus, and Jesus says, but I tell you, as I am a representative of God, I am the Son of God. And he says, if you even divorce, you are committing adultery. So he's talking about, you have missed the whole point of everything here. By the time Jesus shows up, what we see is in previous passages, like with anger and with lust, is that the the rule, the thing that we saw in the Old Testament had become a detail that only facilitated the the selfish things, right? It It didn't curb the sinful nature. The law, and now we see that in Romans, right? Romans talks about how the law cannot save us. Because we, our sinful nature always rears against it. And this is true, right? How many of you have ever been told, well, you can't do something? And the first thing you want to do is, oh, yeah? Watch me. <laughs> this is us. This is who we are. And Jesus is saying that law, that rule, in its, in its minute detail is not enough. And you have been living just the rules, and you get around it. And I'm telling you that that's not enough because I care about your heart. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that ultimately... For us, the heart of the matter, reframing the context of what we're talking about, the intent is to elevate the views of the people from their morally ambiguous flexibility of, well, I technically, if I just give her a piece of paper, I can do whatever the heck I want, right? Instead, what Jesus is trying to do is elevate the thinking to the spiritual ideal that we're really aiming for. He's saying, it seems like you've forgotten God's intent for marriage all along, and I want to bring you back to it. And in fact, In a later passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has a very similar conversation and he says just this. Check this out. In verse 4 through 8 in Matthew 19, it's on the screen. He goes, haven't you read the scriptures? I love that. He's like, where have you been? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And then they go, well, yeah, Jesus, but Deuteronomy 24 says, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Good question. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. I love that. Like, 
Sometimes I feel like I get up here and I preach and I say things. And you're like, Jared, where do you get that from? And I'm like, right there. It's literally right here. This was the, the law that Jesus is referencing. He's saying that was not the intent, was not for you to divorce. You missed the whole point. The point was to look back to Genesis, right? I love that Jesus goes to like the very beginning of our Bible, to the very beginning of their law, the Torah. It's like, well, in, in, in Deuteronomy, which was the book of the law, it actually says this. He says, but, but you forgot what the bedrock, the foundation of it was. Back in Genesis, it says that God created men and women to be married in the two become one. You stop becoming an individual. When you get married before God, it, you, you are no longer one. You become, you're no longer an individual. You become a unit together. And then he adds, so don't break apart whatever God has put together, right? He's like, that's God's intent. God's intent for marriage is for lifelong commitment, not for, not for like, if I just feel like it or some person, he says, and I put that law in there for you to hope that you would, that you would curb your sinful appetites, that dudes, you would stop like leaving your women, that you would stop leaving your kids and you would stop leaving them out to dry, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying, come back to where God has called us to be. But then Jesus says this line that it's just like a punch in the face. He goes, you have heard it said that you can divorce, but I tell you that if you divorce, you are guilty of adultery. Why? Ouch! Man, that stings. It's like I just got a knife in my belly is what it feels like. So you're telling me, Jesus, that if, that if I've ever been divorced, that I'm an adulterer? Is that what you're telling me? Why? Why is Jesus saying this? This seems so harsh. It seems so, so painful. I think part of the reason that Jesus is saying is because you're, we are ignoring one of the earliest principles that we see in God's word, that marriage was designed to be a lifelong commitment. And that's the standard. I think Jesus is saying, this is the standard. This is the goal that we are shooting for. Jesus saw a society that is rampant with divorce. Our society is no different. And he says, Enough. I'm calling you to something greater, to what God has created marriage for in the first place. And so here we are with this big, painful statement. Like, if I've ever been divorced, if I'm thinking about divorce, if I'm a product of divorce, like, that somehow I, God views me as like, as though I'm less, as though I'm a sinner, as I'm, I'm an adulterer? Like, is that what you're really saying to me, Jesus? I mean, there's all this guilt, right? There's all this shame. And you're probably thinking to yourself, but Pastor Jared, I thought you said that we're not talking about guilt. I thought we're not talking about shame. I thought that you said that Jesus is all about restoring things and healing things, and he doesn't judge us. I did say that, didn't I? But here's, here's what I would say to you. This is, this is what I wrestled with this week as I was studying and learning what I think Jesus was really doing here because it's so easy for us to take one passage of Scripture, one sentence, and then build a theology on it, right? Like, well, Jesus said that if I divorce, that I'm an adulterer. Like, that's what it says on its face, right? But at the same time, we also know a lot of other things about Jesus and that he fills us with grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? This is the things we love about Jesus, so I think it's important for us to hear what Jesus is saying. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna teach my son or my daughter about something that they miss the mark, like I'm gonna bring them around to I love you and it's okay. But I have to start with you need to understand what the standard is. And here's what I mean by that. What Jesus was doing here was setting a standard so that the grace that we are offered means something. 
I think that we know that Jesus offers grace that covers all of our sin, and it washes us clean. It makes us new creations. But without a standard, without something that says this is what it is, when we miss the mark, grace means nothing. If there is no standard, if there is no mark, when we fail, when we mess up, grace is cheap. Grace is meaningless, right? This is what Romans talks about. It says, my sin was great, but his grace was greater. I love that. And what we're seeing is that Jesus paid with his life for us to be forgiven and to be free. And so the grace that he offers us, knowing full well that we will make mistakes, that I have made mistakes, that you've made mistakes, that I'm going to continue to make mistakes, even divorce and other things, all sorts of things, he knows it, that grace means everything now. And that it should drive us to repentance. When we see what he has done for us, that grace should drive us to, my gosh, I can't believe I did this again. I'm so sorry, right? That's the concept. I believe that what Jesus is doing is he is saying, this is the standard now. This is what God's intent was all along for our marriage. And you can insert all the other principles that we talk about. What Jesus is saying is, this is what God calls us to. And he looks at us afterwards and he says, listen, I know that you can't reach this. I know that you're not always going to be successful with this. I know that there are, despite your best efforts, you will fail at this. But when you do, I have grace for you if your heart is in the right place. I believe that's why Jesus said what he did, so that we know that there is something at stake. It matters to God, and he's calling us to it. And so what is Jesus really saying to us today? I believe this is it, and the big idea of the day. If you're taking notes, write this down. The marriage bar is set at lifelong commitment. If we miss it, we must repent, receive grace, and keep aiming for it. This is what we see in Scripture, right? We know that Jesus said this is the standard, but we also know in other passages of Scripture, it's like when you screw up, when you mess up, whether you were a Christian beforehand or not, where there is grace for today, there is grace for right now right? He says, this is the standard. And if we miss it, we must repent. We can't simply just think that our lives are whatever we want and that Jesus is a get get out of jail free card. That's not how it works. But if there is repentance, the Bible makes it so clear. If our hearts recognize wrong, our hearts recognize we've done something wrong. Repentance is not just saying, it's also a desire to turn in another direction and move away from. So if the standard The bar is lifelong commitment. If we miss it, we repent. We receive grace that covers, that receive that forgiveness, that mercy that wipes us clean, and then we set back on track. We keep aiming for the standard. And I love that. You know, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And Mike Tomlin, our coach, says that all the time. The standard is the standard, right? Anybody ever heard him say that? Like, nobody? Okay. The standard is the standard. He's, it, it's like it doesn't matter who's injured. It doesn't matter what's happening in the, in, the, in the game, whatever scenario is playing out. The standard is the standard. We will not lower our standards so that we can achieve some lower goal. And that's the same thing that, that God is setting for us is that the standard for marriage is set at lifelong commitment. That is reality. That is what God's word teaches. But if we miss it, we must repent, receive grace, we must keep aiming for it. So in our remaining few minutes, I want to do this. I wanted to set the tone. What does God say? What is Jesus saying? And now I want to do this. What next? What if I've been divorced? Maybe you're in the room today and you're thinking, man, like I'm, 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 I've been there once, twice, three times, maybe a bunch. I don't know. Maybe I've been divorced. What, what, what does this mean for me? How do I apply this concept to my life? 
I want to say this. There are all sorts of reasons that people get divorced. And whatever the reason that led you to that place in the past, I want you to know that you are not less of a person. And I don't think God sees you that way either. The reality is, is that every decision that we make that is outside of the plan of God for our lives is the reason that we end up in the consequences that we have, right? So everything that I ever do, everything that you ever do that is outside of what God wants for us will lead us to consequences that we don't like, right? It leads us to broken relationships. It leads us to getting fired from our jobs. It leads us to our bills not being paid, all of these things, right? When we do the things that are outside of God's plan, it results in brokenness in a variety of places. And we have to face the things that are in our past, that we have missed the mark and we have to own up to those things. So if you find yourself in this place and you're like, I am divorced, I encourage you to look back and say in context of what Jesus is saying to me through his word, evaluate that and own up and take responsibility for what you have done. But here's what I would also say is there is great news is that if you have given your heart to Jesus, you are covered under grace. And I love this, right? Because Romans chapter eight, verse one says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I mentioned this a minute ago. This is not an excuse for us to go, well, because there's no condemnation, I can do whatever the heck I want. Like, that's not what we're talking about. The concept is, is that we have missed the mark, and grace gives us, gives value, understands that that thing that we missed, that grace is greater than that. It has, the grace has value because it covers over the sin that we had in our lives. We cheapen grace if we just say, well, I can just pray for forgiveness later. And that's not, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us and willingly take that punishment so that we could just go out, you know, like deliberately and do what we know is wrong and the things that are harmful to us. That's not who he is. But there is grace. There is no condemnation. And I want to say that if you've been divorced or, or anything in, in your life, not just this topic, any sin, anything that the Lord has spoken to you is covered in the past, if you belong to Christ Jesus, it is gone. And the mistakes that we will continue to make, they are covered under grace. I love that. But here's what I would say to you. If you find yourself here and you have been divorced, there is grace for you. But now we are called to live according to the standard that Jesus has set for us. So in future relationships, in future marriages, right? And I'd love to talk to you about this. I, I understand that this is tough. I have not been divorced, so I can't fully understand some of the, the thinking and the mindsets through that. I'm just trying to apply God's word to our various circumstances. I would love to have conversations with you about this, but there's grace for you. Second one is, what if I'm thinking of getting divorced? This is another really hard one, right? Because there may be a people in this room right now who are struggling in their marriages. People right now who are thinking, I'm at the last rope. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm tired of the things that are happening right? What, would, what, would, what is this scripture, what is this concept saying to you? And this is a really hard one because it probably means that you're in the middle of something that probably seems hopeless. Maybe you even feel like your marriage was a mistake and we have to go back to our main idea. Let's see what God is saying, right? The marriage bar is set at lifelong commitment. If we miss it, we must repent, receive grace, and keep aiming for it. But we also know, like I said earlier, that we cannot choose to deliberately ignore God's commands so where does this leave us? And I will admit to you that this is where it gets really hard because if you're sitting in the middle of a marriage that is harmful, that is destructive, that is um, maybe it just it, it is miserable and lonely, maybe you're feeling like, I don't know how to apply the words of Jesus. And maybe you might even be thinking to yourself, I think I would rather walk away from that than live in the situation that I'm in. And I understand. 
I know that. So how do we apply this? It requires a lot of soul searching. It requires a lot of scripture searching. It requires a lot of advice from, from wise, God-fearing mentors and seeking God. On the one hand, the Bible paints a picture of marriage being the spiritual bond that, is, that should not be broken. It's an irrevocable bond, right? That's, on one hand, we see that and should be avoided at all costs. But on the other hand, there are passages, including Jesus' own words and later in the New Testament, that indicate some very serious issues that do give allowance out of marriage, right? So how do we know if you're in a situation and you're thinking, my marriage feels hopeless, am I going to be an adulterer just if I decide to end my marriage? Like, that's the question that we're asking today. Here's the thing, right? Intent, intent. I believe that God's desire is to heal every person in the world. I believe that. I believe that he wants to heal every person of our hurts, of our brokenness, of our loneliness, And as we allow him to heal us, it also then translates into our relationships. I believe that. So I believe when I counsel people for marriage, I believe I start with saying, I believe that God can heal your marriage. I believe he wants to heal your marriage. And I would say that to you. I believe that with all my heart. I have seen it happen. But I also know that sometimes we don't allow God to do that, right? Sometimes one of us, ourselves, or our partners don't allow God to heal us. And so sometimes we're stuck in a relationship where someone is doing something. And sometimes those situations are painful, and sometimes they result in terrible things like adultery or affairs or, or violence or abuse, right, physically or emotionally, right? And in those places, in general, I would say this to you. If you find yourself in a situation in a marriage where you have those situations particularly, I encourage you to seek counsel. I really do. Either from me or from another trusted spiritual advisor who will help you hear what you're saying, hear what's going on, seek God's word for your life, God's plan for your life, and give you wise advice to make the right decision, whether that is to end your marriage or to try to work it. This is a very sticky situation that I obviously cannot spend enough time today talking about. Okay, so in this case, please, please, please seek counsel if you find yourself in that place. But if your marriage is struggling but doesn't necessarily involve the symptoms like those extreme kind of uh, affairs or, um, or abuse, violence, the types of things that we see throughout Scripture that kind of give some of those allowances, I would say the same thing to you. I believe he wants to heal your relationship. If you guys are fighting a lot or your husband doesn't listen to you or your wife isn't listening or is nagging or whatever and you're having fights and you feel like you're not connecting with each other, I believe that God can heal, but I also encourage you again to seek counsel. Seek counsel with someone who can hear what's going on, give you some different perspective, and help you apply God's word to your life. Because this is is the thing. This is really what we're talking about here is is that Jesus is saying, don't just make decisions based on your culture. Don't just make decisions based on what you want to do. Instead, hear the intent of the God, the creator of the universe. Seek those who can help you get perspective outside of the pain and the frustration that you're feeling. Listen to the words of Jesus and explore how to apply that to your circumstance. That's what I believe Jesus is saying. And I'm not trying to make blanket statements here, but I want to honor the words of Jesus. We've got to take a serious look at what he said And his intent is for us to try to work through our problems in lifelong commitments. I believe that God can heal your marriages. I believe that Jesus is asking us to rewire our thinking and to see his heart first. And again, as I mentioned, there is obviously so much more that I could possibly, you know, like mention in a single sermon. Please, if you're going through a situation, if you're feeling like this is speaking to you, 
talk to me or talk to a trusted spiritual advisor. Don't do this alone. You're not alone. And there is grace for you. So if you're thinking about a divorce, then I encourage you to talk. Like I said with me, we can hear your heart and help you on this path. But there is grace. That's the beauty of this is that grace is not just to forgive, but it's also to give strength to move through. And finally, I would say this. What if my marriage is great? You're like, man, okay. <laughs> like, what if things are good, right? And we're going to wrap with this. Like, what if things are good? Or what if I'm not married? And I'm like, I want to get married. What I would say to you is this. Let's remember the standard. I'm so happy if you're in a good place. It is a good place to be, to be in a healthy marriage. And I believe that is what God wants for all of us. Whether you have been divorced and you're looking for a new partner, whether you are in a space right now where you can't see freedom, you can't see happiness, you can't see health, and you look at your neighbor or your friend who is in a good marriage and all it does is it reminds you of the things that you feel that you are just going through right now, I would say, listen to Jesus. There is healing available for you. It may take time and take work. So my question for those in this camp of, is your marriage great? Like, what, what would I say to you? My question to you is this, is how do we live out today's big idea to keep our marriages headed in the direction of lifelong commitment? Keep aiming for it, I would say to you. This is the key for really all of it, is it's about aiming every day, making choices, making every day, making decisions that I'm going to look at my wife, or I'm going to look at my husband from a perspective of it doesn't matter what he says, it doesn't matter what she does, but I'm with her. I made a decision before God that this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'm going to work in everything that I can do. My perspective is on the long term. It's not on the hair color or, or the type of clothes or the weight of the, the spouse. It's not, it has anything to do with that. It's not to do with the job. It's not even about decisions. You make a decision that I'm moving forward for God's intent for my marriage, which is lifelong commitment. There are so many forces that push against the marriage relationship that if it's not cared for, it gets weak. And I promise you, my wife and I have been married for 15 years, going on 16 years, and it is not always easy. And if we're not careful, life gets in the way, we get busy, and sometimes it seems like you're with a roommate rather than a spouse or a, like a married couple, right? And if you're newly married, you're thinking, man, I don't feel that at all. I promise you it will come. But you know how we combat it? We have date nights every Thursday. We spend time together when things are feeling disconnected. We, we keep an eye on it, right? This is what Jesus is saying. is like, my goal is for lifelong commitment. And there are days where I feel like I have not done a good job of sowing into that with my wife. And I come back to her and I say to her, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been checked out over here. I've been dealing with this or whatever. And we reconnect. Why? Because I'm in it for the long haul. I want to honor God's intent. So if you're married, if you're in a place where you're like, I want to keep my marriage great, I encourage you to always work on your marriage. Work on it. Date your wife. Date your husband. Go on, on vacations together. Take some time away. Turn off your phones. Spend time with each other. Date each other. Choose to love. Choose to serve. Put Jesus at the center of your marriage. And above all, make the decision that nothing will ever come up that will break apart your marriage. And when things get stale or they get difficult, as they eventually will at times, repent to each other, as I said. Repent to God for the things that you have done to allow it to get there and then start fresh again. And if you are not married, if you're thinking one day I want to get married, take those principles and apply them into the relationships that you have. When you find that person, 
start off and just have a conversation. I love this. My wife and I had this conversation with each other. We were tired of dating. We were early in college. I'm going to close with this. We were in a place where I said, I just want, I remember sitting outside of like a movie theater and my wife and I were sitting next to a car and I said, this is before we were married. I said, I'm in this for the long haul. So if you're not really, if you're just kind of looking for somebody to date, then, you know, we'll just, it's nice knowing you. That's hard, right? But if that's our perspective in the beginning of our relationships, when we meet someone who we want to spend the rest of our lives with, we tell them, just tell them that. This is where my heart is. And here's why. If you're on the same page, you guys are in a great place to start out with. I, I tell you that. I know this message was tough, challenging. I hope that it was filled with grace. And I would say this, that the beauty of all of this is that it's available to all of us. Grace is available for all of us. We will screw up. We will mess up. And there's a fine line, you know, debating theologically between, you know, making a decision that, that I know is wrong, and with, but some part of me knows it's not wrong and I'm doing the best that I can and is there grace for all that? And that's not what we're talking about today. Today, let's just start by saying, let's just, let's just put it as a banner in the sky that grace is available for all of us. I don't want you to leave here today feeling guilty, feeling ashamed. I want you to leave feeling like, you know what, no matter what happens, that grace will carry me through, that I will get out of whatever the situation is in my life if I stick close to Jesus. Would you stand with me? Just close your eyes and we'll pray as we respond. Jesus, sometimes the words that you spoke are difficult to unpack. They are hard to hear. For some of us, it feels like a knife that is reopening wounds from our past. For some of us, it's like pinpointing an infection of something we're going through right now that feels so hard and so painful. For some of us, it almost feels like a, a numbing experience because we don't really know because we're not experiencing this pain, this difficulty. We're in a good place maybe in this particular case. Your words, Jesus, are hard sometimes and they feel difficult. Thank you that there is context, that there is greater. Thank you that we can see that you're not just talking judgment, that you're not just pushing people around, but instead you're calling us to something greater, a greater freedom, a vision for life, that if we treat ourselves and other people the way that you call us to, that we would avoid so much pain in our lives. And so right now, I pray that your grace would wash over every single person in this room, whatever they're struggling with, whether it's a concept of divorce or it was anger like two weeks ago or, or sexuality and lust and those types of things or whatever it might be in their lives, God, I pray that you would show them a shower of grace that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that everything that I have done is covered under the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. So right now, just briefly, let's all just take a minute and just repent silently in our hearts for the things that we have done, that we have missed the mark. Say, God, I'm sorry for whatever it is. You can just, if you identify, I believe the Holy Spirit is just kind of, is, is highlighting things in your life that you have missed the mark, not for guilt, but to set you free from it. Say, I'm sorry for that. Your grace is more valuable than to make it cheap and then I'm not going to ignore the things that I've done any longer. I'm sorry. I want to do better. This thing that I struggle with, I want to do better. I want to live 
like you have called me to in freedom. I want a better vision for my marriage. God, I ask for healing in my life and in my, my marriage and my relationships with my kids, with my, with my family, with my finances. God, I need healing in these things, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit will speak to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare beginnings of healing and restoration in your life. Because Jesus is a healer. He is a restorer. And so God, we now turn our attention to your standard. We want to live according to your intent for our marriages. We are all in for what you've called us to. It's hard. Sometimes things don't work out the way we want them to or even the way that you do. And so we ask that in those times that we would seek counsel, that we would hear what you would say to us, that we would find the right path and we trust that in that place that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.